That's a tough act to follow. <laughs> I know that our band would, would want me to share this. As excellent as they are, they're only excellent as the content that they have to share and that we have a God who's worthy of that. Um, a, a word that we're coming to today that's full of um, truth, uh, that's life-giving for us. And so there are plenty of excellent bands singing about things that aren't that important. Uh, so when you combine those two together, it's a pretty awesome experience. So thank you guys. Um, I want to ask you guys, um, I know that all of you take voracious notes uh, during my messages, but um, what I'd like you to do today is kind of save your program. Uh, don't, don't write anything on the back. Okay, so if you want to take some notes, take them on your phone or something, you're going to need uh, something, or you can use your phone either way to write some notes down later, but you're just going to need a space to write some notes. So either, I always forget that we have this thing called technology, right, that it's not just pen and paper anymore. So you can use your phones uh, for that later on. That's the only thing you can use them for, all right? So no games, funny photos. My kids like to catch me doing things that I don't know that I'm doing and then post them on places. So... When you have children, you'll experience that as well. So this summer, if you are new with us, um, or even if you're not, um, we've been going through a sermon series on the prayers of Paul in Scripture. Paul wrote a a large chunk of the New Testament. So we've been examining um, what did he pray when he prayed? Um, What did he pray for others? What did he pray for himself? And what can we learn from his prayers? And so all along the way, we've, we've taken notice that Paul has prayed things like um, he prayed for people to know Christ more. He prayed for the eyes of people's hearts to be enlightened. He prayed, like we prayed a little earlier, that, that God would fill up what was lacking in people's faith. He prayed that uh, the people he cared about would know how long and wide and high and deep is the love of God. He prayed for people to be comforted and that when they are comforted and receive that from God, that they would share it with other people. Uh, he prayed for the, the, the sanctification process in people, which is a fancy word of being made more into the image of Christ. He prayed um, here recently, the last thing we kind of looked at a couple weeks ago was, was for us to be bold in sharing our faith, Okay. And along the way, not only have we looked at what he prayed, but I've also noticed the way in which he's prayed, okay? For one, he was faithful. He would use words when he would pray where he would say, like, I'm praying continually, or I'm constantly praying, or night and day I'm praying for you. Um, so this was a guy who was, was on it <laughs> for his friends. And secondly, he prayed for God to do very specific things in the lives of people. So when you look at Paul's prayers, you don't see a lot of general statements like God help this person or God bless that person. He, he knew specifically and exactly what it is that he wanted to see God do in people's lives or in his own life. And finally, Paul didn't pray for God to change the circumstances of himself or others. His prayers were more along the lines of, hey, whatever your circumstances are, good or bad, what I'm hoping that you get out of this is that you love God more as a result of praying, okay? So those are the, the kinds of things that, that Paul prayed for. To know God was always the ultimate prize. And so maybe kind of a first question for us today is, is that why we pray? Do we pray so that we'll know Christ more? 
So today I want to end this series before we head into the, the school year and we'll start something new here in the next couple of weeks. I want to take a look at the last letter that Paul wrote in Scripture before he, he died. And it's, it's 2 Timothy, and um, it was written, not yet, hold on. <laughs> uh, it's in 2 Timothy, is, is the letter that he wrote. He wrote it about A.D. 65, okay? This was during the reign of Emperor Nero, okay, who, who really persecuted the church. And Paul wrote this letter during this, his second imprisonment in Rome. So he was imprisoned two different times in Rome. The first time was about four or five years before this, but he was just on house arrest. So he just had to be confined to a house, but it was, it was not like necessarily being in jail per se. He had a lot of freedom, and he wrote a lot of the letters that we see in Scripture to the churches. He wrote a lot of those letters during that first imprisonment. The second time around, he's in real prison, like dungeon, dark, nasty, seller of some building somewhere, okay? So he's languishing in this dungeon. And uh, the next time that he would see the light of day was when he walked the path to be executed and Paul was beheaded for the gospel. So these were literally his last days on earth. And we know that because of what we read at the end of the letter here in 2 Timothy 4, 6 through 8. He says this, he says, for I am already being poured out like a drink offering and the time for my departure is near. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. So Paul is very, very aware as he writes this that this is, this is the end for him, so it's important for us to kind of keep that in mind, because it's interesting to kind of get a glimpse into someone's heart when they're on death's doorstep. And to see when you've only got a few days, a few moments left, what is it that's kind of tugging at your heart that you want to communicate most? And we learn a lot from the fact that Paul doesn't write this letter to a church. He writes it to a person. And in the midst of that dungeon, whatever light that was there that was present, he pulls out his pen and he starts writing to a young man named Timothy. And Timothy was somebody that was very dear to Paul. Um, he was quite a bit younger than him. It was somebody that he had mentored and invested in for years. They had served alongside one another. Um, Timothy is mentioned as the co-author of six different letters that Paul wrote. They had suffered together. They had had joyful moments together. They'd been in jail together. Paul cared for Timothy deeply. He referred to him as a son many times in Scripture. And Paul had left Timothy behind in Ephesus to lead that church when Paul left and, and went to Rome. And so Paul knows after his death that Timothy is going to be one of the main guys carrying the torch for the gospel. And so he's got some things that he wants to say to him to prepare him and encourage him. So knowing all of that, what does Paul pray for Timothy? So let's look at 2 Timothy chapter 1. If you haven't turned there already, it's page 832 in your pew Bibles. Page 832, 2 Timothy chapter 1. Let's look at verse 3. He says, I thank God whom I serve as my ancestors did with a clear conscience as night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers. So he begins his letter with, I thank God. And I'm not sure that if I was in his circumstances that that's how I would start the letter, Right? 
I would be like, hey, this sucks. <laughs> you know, these conditions are horrible. I don't deserve this. These people are not fair, blah, blah, blah. Come and rescue me, get me out, you know, bring me something good to eat. So I'm sure that in the midst of those things, what Paul was doing was very intentional. I think he wanted to communicate a certain perspective to Timothy. I think he knew, Timothy knew that that being a disciple and a follower of Christ and a leader in that time during persecution in the first century was full of struggles and challenges they had already been through together and that they would continue to experience down the road too. And, and Timothy, I'm sorry, Paul talks about this later on in, in chapter 3, verse 12. He says, in fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Okay, so he tells him straight up, you know, and this is for all of us today too. Anyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. So I think Paul wanted Timothy to have a perspective in the midst of the trials. That, hey, even though, though I'm in prison and I know my death is coming, I'm thankful. And, and we see some of the things that he's thankful for. Um, if you just look back at verse 2, he mentions several things. He's thankful for God's grace, God's mercy, God's peace. In, in verse 3, he mentioned that he has a clear conscience. I mean, those are all things that a lot of people in our world would love to have, right? And Paul is thankful for those things. And it made me kind of think as, we, as I'm writing this down, you know, what do I communicate to other people that I'm thankful for in the midst of hardship, when I'm going through what I would consider difficult things in my life, what am I communicating to others that I'm thankful for? Is that what they hear coming out of my mouth is gratitude? Or is it bemoaning my circumstances? It's a good question to ponder. And beyond some of those, those uh, tangible things that he's experiencing from God that he's thankful for, he's also very thankful for Timothy and that friendship. And in fact, Paul, since this is his last letter, he mentions 22 other people in this letter, friends of his, people that he's served with, people that he loves and cares for, who he knows their prayers right now are sustaining him in the midst of that suffering. Again, Paul was being intentional, and he had very specific things in mind because he knew Timothy. And so he prayed for him with very great vision for his life because he wanted him to be encouraged. And I don't know about you, but there have been just certain times in my life where I've had mentors and friends speak into my life and given me a, a vision for who I could be, sometimes when I couldn't see it for myself. Any of you guys have any examples that you can think of of, man, just this person at some point in my life just spoke something into me that just stuck with me, that was like a vision for my life that I couldn't even imagine? Anybody have an, an example they'd be willing to share this morning? Yeah. Um, Barb, when I was living with Sam, Barb spoke to me. She did that to me. Yeah. Is she here today? Barb? Is Barb here today? No. No, but she, yeah, she did that to me. Great. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. Okay, awesome. Yeah. Anybody else? 
Well, this is good because this is what my message is about today. And so we're going to be experts at doing a better job of speaking vision into people's life by the time we're done, right? I'm sure you guys have got some examples you might not be sharing with me this morning, but, but we're going to get even better at doing it because it's important. People need to hear it. Um, and so he says this. He says, I constantly remember you in my prayers. I constantly remember you in my prayers. What does that mean? to remember someone in your prayers. It's a phrase that Paul throws around a lot in Scripture. If we can show up several different examples from different letters. He says, God, whom I serve in my spirit in preaching the gospel of his Son, is my witness how constantly I remember you in my prayers at all times. If you skip down to the next one, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I thank my God every time I remember you. I always thank my God as I remember you. In my prayers, what does it mean to remember someone? What does that look like? And we see this intentionality. That's one of my favorite words, intentionality. Um, In the fact that he prayed night and day, and he prayed constantly for Timothy. And that whole phrase of of praying night and day has kind of taken on new meaning for me as I've gotten older. Because now that I'm old, I don't sleep through the night. And I haven't for a long time. And for one, I've got old man bladder. So I got to get up at least one time to go to the bathroom. Okay. And there's always that time between when you get up and when you fall back asleep. Right. And you can do a lot of things with that time. And what God's been doing with that time in me a lot more lately is he's been putting people on my mind and my heart to pray for. And it's like I just I can't go back to sleep anymore without God giving me somebody to pray for. And so I'm trying to embrace that. Um, Sometimes that can be frustrating because I just want to go back to sleep. And sometimes I can't go back to sleep, and then I'm frustrated. And what I'm trusting is that 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 person needs my prayer more than I think I need sleep. I'm trusting God that that person needs those prayers more than I think I need my sleep. And so I want you to be open to that because obviously Paul spent a lot of time at night praying for people as well. And one practical way to be more intentional in your prayer life is to pray for people in the moment. So when somebody comes to you with a burden or a prayer request, I want to challenge you. Don't tell them, I'll pray for you. Say, can I pray for you right now? And walk over and put your hand on their shoulder and pray for them in the moment. And sometimes I'm on the phone with somebody long distance, a friend that lives in Kansas City or somewhere else, and they'll share something with me, and I'll just say, hey, can I pray for you right now? And I'll pray for them on the phone if I can't be with them. And I think that does a couple of things, several things, actually. For one thing, I don't trust myself to remember to pray for them later, hence the oldness I was talking about, so I want to do it before I forget. But I think people feel very loved in the moment, when I basically communicate to them that, hey, I'm, I'm stopping everything in my life, and you are my focus. You're the only thing on my mind right now. I think that communicates a lot to someone of, of just how cared, cared for they are. And I think it also is a powerful experience for them to actually hear you praying the words over their life. Not just you walking away and them kind of wondering, well, are they going to pray? Or when they pray, what do they pray? But you can... You can Specifically, they can hear you praying what it is you want to see happen in their life. And I think that's powerful. And I think it's powerful in another thing is I think it's powerful in us, the ones that are praying. 
It reminds us what is true. It reminds us what we want for people, what we want for ourselves sometimes too. So Paul was intentional, and secondly, he was interested. Let's look at verses 4 through 7 here in 2 Timothy. He says to Timothy, recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice and I, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. So he's interested in Timothy. He in verse 4, he remembers and he recalls Timothy's tears the last time they were together. And I would imagine it was probably a time when they were separating and, and he was sending him to Ephesus. And so there's not only the, the separation of just his mentor, his friend, his father in the faith that was difficult, but there was also the weight of responsibility that was probably weighing on Timothy as a young man being in charge and being left responsible for this church. And we can tell it means a lot to Paul as well because he says, I long to see you because of the joy that just being with you brings to me. And I think this is a true statement is that if you don't have people in your life that you love deeply, you probably don't pray much. Or if you do pray, you probably just pray about yourself. And you're missing out on a lot of what prayer and community and family is all about. In verse 5, we see that Paul was reminded of Timothy's faith. Paul said, it, it was lived out in your family, your mother, your grandmother, and that now lives in you. And parents, this is a great reminder to us that with our kids that, that, that faith, something that we pass on to them, is something that they have to see lived out in us. Right? It's more caught than taught. It's not something that we can force on our kids. Faith isn't about believing in facts, it's to be lived out. Well, I've talked a lot around here, kind of one of my heroes is a guy named Dietrich Bonhoeffer who was a pastor in Germany in the 1930s when the Nazis were taken over and he was one of the few pastors that resisted Nazi rule and it eventually led him to a concentration camp where he died just a few days before the war ended. But right before his death, this is what he wrote while in prison says, Bonhoeffer wrote the following perspective of faith. One must completely abandon any attempt to make something of oneself, whether it be a saint or a converted sinner or a churchman. In so doing, we throw ourselves completely into the arms of God, taking seriously not our own sufferings, but those of God and the world, watching with Christ in Gethsemane. That, I think, is faith. So what he's saying there, I think, is he uses this phrase, faith was throwing yourself completely into the arms of God. That faith is, is what I picture with that is just a sense of complete surrender, complete abandonment, that we burn all the bridges back to the security things we want to hold on to in this world and put our hope and our trust in. And we completely throw ourselves into the arms of God, just like a kid that jumps off the side of a pool into his parents' arms, right? No life jacket, no floaties, nothing, right? You either catch him or they drowned, right? That kind of trust is what he's picturing there. And he's saying, Timothy, I see that in you. I see that faith. You're living it out. In verse 6, Paul reminds Timothy of his giftedness. And those gifts and how he came about them are mentioned in two other places in Scripture. 
If I could put those verses up. It says 1 Timothy 4.14. Paul wrote earlier, Do not neglect your gift, which was given you through prophecy when the body of elders laid their hands on you. And then in Acts 16.2, it says, this is talking about when Timothy was a young man and first kind of called into ministry. It says the believers in Lystra and Iconium spoke well of him. And so Paul is saying to Timothy, listen, man, you've got gifts. People believe in you. And so he's saying now, listen, this is your part. Back to 2 Timothy verse 3. He says, I want you to, or whatever verse we're on, I'm sorry, 6, 5, somewhere in there. He says, fan into flame that gift. You know, that, that's your part, Timothy. Fan into flame. Don't let it grow cold. Don't let the fire grow out. You know, reach your full potential. Use those gifts that you've been given. Don't waste them. And man, we need those reminders in our lives, don't we? We need to be reminded of those things, of our giftedness at times, that we have something to offer. Finally, in verse 7, Paul remembers Timothy's timidity. You see, Paul knew at that time as he wrote this letter that Timothy must have been struggling with confidence, that he was, he was struggling to believe that he could be the leader that Paul knew he could be. And he's keenly interested, and, and he wants he wants to make sure that those weaknesses don't get the best of Timothy, so he's speaking into him. So he reminds him what is true. He says, listen, Timothy, God does not give us the spirit of timidity. The spirit that he put inside of us is a spirit of love and power and self-discipline. And those reminders, guys, are so important to our friends, our spouse, our children to hear to be able to look at somebody that we care about who we can see is struggling and is just in a weak time in their life and to say, listen, I know that what you're feeling is this. Fear, shame, guilt, worry, whatever it might be. But guys, what is true about you and about God is this. And I need you to trust me that this is true despite what you're feeling because feelings will lie to us. And this is what Paul is doing for Timothy in his life. And I need to confess something here. As, I'm, as I was reading that this, this week, this, this care and this interest that Paul had for Timothy, how invested he was in his success, I got jealous. Because as I think back through my life now, I've had so many people you know, that, have, that have poured into me and invested in me to help shape me and make me the, the man I am today, the leader I am, all those things. And there's some of those people in my life that just don't really seem that interested in me anymore. And that's, that's like a hole sometimes in my heart, you know, um, because I, I have no clue whether they're really praying for me. And even if they are, they have no clue what's going on in my life. And so I, I don't know how they would know what to pray. And so as a, as a person, I'm, I'm a pretty curious person. I ask a lot of questions. <laughs> and sometimes when you're, you're around me, it, it's, you call it being on the hot seat because <laughs> Bob will just... Just keep going deeper, you know, keep going deeper. And I just, I love asking questions because I'm, I want everyone around me to know I am interested in you. I'm interested in what's going on in your life. I want to know. For one thing, it helps me to know how to pray for you. So when you talk to people, do people know that you are interested in them? Are most of your conversations with others more about them or about you? Do you find yourself in conversations kind of waiting for the other person to stop talking so you can say your next thing? Or are you really listening to them? And so I think this is true, guys, is that 
You can't pray about what you don't know. I can't pray for something in your life if I don't know about it. So I've got to get to know you. I've got to dig a little bit deeper and get underneath the surface some. So how can we do that? Maybe even more specifically here at Wellspring, how can I be more intentional? How can I be more interested in people here and get to know them? Well, for one thing is, and show up for church early. New people come early and leave early. So if you come late and leave late, you're probably not talking to anybody new. You're talking to the same old people you always talk to. So if you want to get to know somebody new, come early because they're going to be out that door quick when it's over, right? All right? Or, you know, stay later. Talk a little bit. Sign up to serve. Serve alongside somebody. Get to know them that way. But it's got to be intentional. It's not just going to happen. You're not going to get to know people and be known by people just showing up. You got to step out. You got to initiate conversations. You got to put yourself out there. Because Paul knew Timothy so well, He could be very specific in what it is that he prays for him. And so he prays and he he says, listen, Timothy, rely on your strong faith. Use your gifts. Rely on the Spirit's power inside of you. I ask a lot of questions when I get together with my staff. Like we had a staff meeting this past Tuesday and I started off just asking them to fill in the blank. I said, I want you to answer this question. Today my heart is what? And you can learn a lot about people just by asking that question. Today, my heart is joyful. Why? Burdened. Why? Encouraged. Why? Sad. Why? Whatever. I also ask them this. What are you praying for yourself right now? Or what are you praying for somebody else in your life right now? And that gives me a window into their heart and what they want to see going on in their life, but also what their heart is for others around them. And that helps me to know how to pray for them, how to pray for the people that they care about. I want my staff to know that I'm interested in them beyond what they do for us here at Wellspring. And it helps me to know how to pray. And so as we close this message this morning, the series on the prayers of Paul, I really hope that you guys are taking away some meaningful lessons. Okay, I hope that you guys are, are, are noticing some things. I hope that you've taken the opportunity to pray scripture over somebody else in your life or for yourself. Maybe if not verbally, then at least in your heart that you've sat down at some of the passages we looked at and you've prayed that's, that a friend of yours would know Christ more, that a friend of yours would, would know how wide and long and high and deep is the love of God. The Bible gives us prayers to pray I hope that you've grown in your ability to articulate exactly what it is you want to see God do in the life of somebody else. And I hope you've grown in your ability to articulate, God, this is what I want you to do in my life. And more than anything, I hope that as you pray, however much that is, that you're learning to love God more and more. That you're praying less about your circumstances and more about the God that you want to know. That you're thankful for his many gifts and that prayer just overflows out of you because of the spirit of gratitude that's in you. I don't know if you remember one of the very first sermons we gave at the beginning of the summer. We showed a clip from the movie Shadowlands, which is a part of, a little bit of a part of C.S. Lewis's life. 
And he said this in the movie. He said, I pray because I can't help myself. I pray because I'm helpless. I pray because the need flows out of me all the time, waking and sleeping. It doesn't change God. It changes me. And today I want to engage in a very practical um, activity here with this lesson, okay? So I want you to grab your program or your phone, something to write with or to type on. I want you to text me your bank account numbers. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) How much faith do you really have in Bob? I won't do anything with them, I promise. No, this is what I want you to do. First, I'm going to want you to take a moment, and I just want you to be silent, okay? And I want you to just kind of center yourself here on what we're doing, okay? And then I'm going to ask you a couple questions here, but just take some time to just kind of be with us. So just be silent for a minute. Okay, now I want to ask you just Who is the first person that God is putting on your heart today? Who's the first person he's putting on your heart? I just want you to write or type that person's name right now. Then I'm going to put some questions up here on the screen, just kind of one at a time. The first thing I want you to think about with that person, I want you to write down, is go ahead and put that next question up, is what are you thankful? What about them are you thankful for? What about them are you thankful for? I want you to go ahead and jot down a few notes on that. The next question is this, how might they be struggling and how do you want them to be encouraged today? How might they be struggling? How do you want them to be encouraged today? Be specific. And the final one, I'll give you some time to write here, but what gifts do you see in them that you want to call out in their life? What gifts do you see in them that you want to call out in their life? Guys, this this honestly doesn't matter whether you're a Christian or not. (laughs) If you're here and you don't believe any of this stuff, this is just about being a good friend. So... You can engage with us this morning.
Here's what we're going to do with this today. I'm going to invite you into an opportunity, okay? So you have the opportunity to not do it, which is always the case, right? Um, this is what I want you to do. Now, when Paul was writing this letter to Timothy, he knew he was going to die. So he needed to get these things out because he didn't know if he was going to see Timothy again, okay? And we don't know, you know, none of us here are on death row, right? We don't know how many days we have. But I do know this, just this kind of a way of living, a value that I have is I don't want to go to the grave with a bunch of things in me about other people that I didn't share with them. I don't want to go to the grave with a bunch of encouragement kind of stored up in my mind that I didn't speak out loud to somebody else. And so as we sing this last song, this is what I want you to do, okay? If the person that you wrote on your paper or on your phone is in this room this morning, then I want you to go find them and pull them off to the side, and I want you to pray those things over them. Say, hey, here's what I see in you. Here's what I'm thankful for in you. Here's what I want God to do in your life, and just pray these things for them. If it's somebody that isn't here, or catch them after the service this morning. Somebody that's not here, I want you to commit this week to giving them a call and saying, hey, I was thinking about you this week at church. Can I pray these things for you right now? Or if you can get together with them, if they're in town, come face to face with them, go to have lunch and pray these things for them. Okay? And you don't have to do it, obviously. And I can guarantee you it's going to be awkward for some of you. All right? But this is what I want to challenge you with. I want you to think less about how awkward it is for you and more about what a blessing it will be for the person that hears it. I want you to think about less about how awkward it will be for you and more about what a blessing it will be for the person that hears it. And you'll be blessed too. Trust me. Okay? So what's going to happen here is I'm going to pray for us in a minute. All right? And as your heart rate escalates, uh, the band is going to come and they're going to sing and we're all going to stand. And then while we're standing, if you need to slip out, go grab somebody that's here and just say, hey, can I pray for you real quick? Just do that. And um, we're going to try to put these things into action because we're not here today to just listen to this stuff and walk away and not let it change us. That's not what a follower of Christ does. A follower of Christ does what Christ did, does what guys like Paul did as he modeled his example. So we need to be doers, not just hearers of the word this morning, okay? Band, go ahead and head on up. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Paul. We thank you for his example God, we're blessed by his relationship with Timothy and this letter that we get to to peer into as we see his heart for this young man that he invested so much in and desired so much for. And God, we are all friends, uh, husbands, wives, fathers, mothers, um, who have an opportunity to be influential in other people's lives, to call out a great vision in somebody that we see and, and, and call them up to a place that they can't see for themselves, to encourage them, to remind them what is true about them and about the God who loves them and and gifted them and equipped them. And Father, there are people in our life right now that need to hear the things that we just wrote down. God, help us to get outside of our own selfishness and, and be people that are willing to be blessed and be used by you to be a blessing. So God, I lift up this time. I pray it would be encouraging as we sing and we pray for others as we get on the phone this week or or make a meeting with a friend to to say these things. God, that it it would be something that would be the start of a lifestyle. That we would just be blessed by going and praying for people. 
and being encouraged as we watch other people. Um, God, just them, their hearts being fanned into flame, God, and just what it does for us as well. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Go ahead and stand with me.